Everyone, welcome in to Everyone, welcome in to the Mid Major Madness uh, podcast. This is our first ever podcast uh, for the site. Really excited about it. Um, hoping, hoping it goes well. Um, my name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the uh, co-manager-ish, whatever you want to refer to me as. I help out on Mid Major Madness. Um, you know, all sorts of ways. <laughs> I guess you know, editing and whether organizing things. Um, and I, and I'll be uh, commanding things over on the podcast uh, level as well. But um, this will be our first podcast. Um, this this will be a podcast dedicated to mid-major basketball. That's pretty much everybody except for I think the Power Five and the Big East. Uh, we cover a lot of stuff. Um, we have some exciting topics today. Uh, we're going to uh, <laughs> move into a lot of different um, things, I guess. Uh, you know, a lot of different things week to week or, uh, you know, when, when we do do the podcast. But um, really excited to get it going. And we have two guys on from the site uh, to help us out with this stuff. First, we have our, uh, our other manager, Russell. Russell, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? Excited, yeah! Excited, we finally got this thing off the ground. Uh, it yeah, should be definitely. a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and as well, we also have Austin Brown, who's one of our writers. Austin, how's it going? Not too bad, Thomas. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, doing well. I'm. Uh, I'm excited to get going. I mean, college basketball is just around the corner. Uh, just went to a media day earlier this week, so you know it's kicking off here uh, in the in the short term. Um, you know, today's podcast is going to be pretty, pretty simple. Uh, you know, we're going to start out with just kind of some general, you know, chatter on what's going on across college basketball, whatever we want to hit on. Um, and then we're going to round into some uh, preview stuff for uh, the Atlantic 10, which should be a lot of fun. Um, so, Russell, uh, what are your thoughts? What's going on here in uh, mid-major country? <laughs> well, I, I think I just want to echo what you said, uh, how excited I am for the start of the season. Uh, the team just started practice already. Midnight Madness uh, coming up for a lot of schools. Um, first thing that uh, comes to my mind, I guess, is looking at a lot of these uh, early season non-conference games that I think are going to give us a great idea of where sort of the, the teams that we think are the uh, top mid-majors really are. That, uh, that San Diego State-Gonzaga game comes to mind and the tip-off marathon um, it, and a bunch of others, too. I mean, I, I'm just really, really excited to, for this to get going. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I'm I'm with you. You know, when they released that schedule, the tip-off marathon, uh, it, I don't know. I, I, I feel like some people think about it until it happens, and then once it starts going down, you know, everybody seems to love it. Um but, you know, I, I, I remember uh, maybe this is a little bit of topic stealing over from CBS, but uh, they ranked their top 50 non-con games. And I threw up a quick post on Mid-Major Madness for, for all our listeners who want to check it out. Uh, 13 of those 50 games featured a mid-major team, including two of the top 10, uh, I think like five of the top 15, or no, six of the top 15. Uh, that San Diego State-Gonzaga game was at number four. Um, what are your early thoughts on that, uh, Austin? Have you taken a look at that game or, or any of these other big games kind of drawing your attention? Yeah, no. Like Russ said, the tip-off marathon's definitely got some great games coming up. I think that uh, 
Gonzaga, San Diego State is certainly at the top of the list. One game I wouldn't sleep on during the tip-off marathon is going to be Dayton and Alabama. Mm-hmm. Alabama, not exactly sure how good they're going to be this year, but this Dayton team's exciting, and I'm excited to see them kind of get things going this year. I know we're going to talk later more in depth about A-10, but they got one of the best backcourts in the league, and so there are definitely some matchups to look forward to to start off the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, uh, oh, go ahead, Russell. Yeah, sorry. Austin, I just wanted to say I agree with you there. That game, we want to keep an eye on. The two, those two teams played each other last year during the tip-off marathon, and they enrolled them. They blew Alabama out, and I think it's going to be another good early test for both of those teams, uh, one that I'm definitely looking forward to. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I, I, you know, at least for me, you know, uh, obviously that tip-off marathon attracts a lot of attention. Um, one of the other things, you know, I, I hate to focus too much on the big teams, you know, because obviously there, there are a lot of mid-major uh, teams across the board. Um, but, man, Gonzaga has quite a schedule this year. Uh, you know, you talk about that San Diego State game. You talk about, you know, Arizona, Washington, um, do you think Gonzaga can handle that schedule, Russell, or or is it going to be too much for them? Well, I'll tell you, we're going to find out early. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's one of those things. I'm not really sure what to expect from Gonzaga this year. Obviously, they're going to be good, but they lost a lot of pieces. They do have uh, Nigel Williams-Goff eligible this year, who I really, really enjoyed watching uh, when he was at Washington. So that's a plus. Uh, Tarnowski also – healthy again for the Bulldogs. So they certainly have pieces. I think we're going to learn a lot in that game against San Diego State, and then they go to Orlando for the Advocare Invitational, a potential game with Florida or Seton Hall on the second day. And, you know, as you mentioned, games against Arizona, Washington, Tennessee. And that's all before conference play starts. And the West Coast Conference, is not exactly a bad league with St. Mary as a top 25 team and, of course, BYU also solid. Mm-hmm. Austin, have, have you looked at Gonzaga at all, or, or is there any other big team that you're, you're really excited about here in non-con for, uh, as far as mid-majors go? Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see what Gonzaga can do. They, Like you said, they start out – right out the gate basically with San Diego state. And then they got Arizona and Washington within two days. And so we'll definitely get a chance to see, give them a chance to get some quality wins up early to help boast their tournament resume. But I don't really think that'll be an issue because I don't see anybody else in the West coast (laughs) trying to make a run at that title over them. I think it's definitely theirs to lose, but you never know. St. Mary's and BYU always in the running. Yeah, yeah, they they certainly can make some noise, and, and over the last couple of years, uh, they put up some some solid seasons. So uh, that that will be an exciting race to see. Obviously, Gonzaga's got the inside track there. Um, one one thing you mentioned as well, uh, Russell, which uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you know we're kind of at that time of the year, I guess. Um, mid, you know, midnight madnesses. Um, you know, maybe that's a. Uh, uh, I, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's something some programs do. It's something some programs avoid. Uh, do you, do you like midnight madness? Do they, do they entertain you? Uh, is it something that gets the blood going for you or, 
you think it's just kind of a lot of show and it doesn't really mean much? Well, I think both. It, it, it means nothing, and it is a lot of show, but I get <laughs> very excited for it because it's, it's, you know, we spent the entire summer waiting for basketball to be back, talking endlessly about, you know, who we think is going to be good, what, you know, what games are we looking forward to, all of this, and now we actually get to watch basketball, even if it's just, you know, a dunk contest and a scrimmage or something. So I love it, and, you know, you have – Maybe this is more in the high major programs where they really, you know, go nuts with it. Uh, I know Providence, I think Providence has Shaq at theirs this year. Like, it's just a bunch of crazy stuff. And it's it's just fun to see, and it's a good way to kick things off. It's a way for the players to kind of show off and have fun, knowing that, you know, the next few weeks before the season starts are going to be pretty grueling in practice. So, you know, I, I think it's good for everybody, provided, of course, nobody gets hurt. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Austin, what are your thoughts on the, the Midnight Madness uh, traditions? I love it. I mean, growing up in Kansas, it was a huge tradition. Obviously, KU takes it to another level, but Wichita State fans get pumped, too. The thing about a lot of these mid-major schools that they don't have a football program to speak of. And so this is really the first time that students can get hyped up about sports. And so some of these schools, particularly the more traditional mid-majors, the Gonzagas, the Dayton's, the VCU's, they get up for it. And so I think it's a great way to get people excited, get people a chance to see what they've got. Obviously not necessarily the best, display of talent because I don't think anybody plays defense in those scrimmages, but get the people excited and it's a good way to start off the year. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of mixed and, and I think, uh, you know, maybe this is the, uh, I don't know, the, <laughs> the cheat way to kind of take both answers, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of like what you want out of it. Um, if you're looking for a big event to get, you know, especially for, for some of the schools who don't have the football element, or don't have another, you know, varsity sport that they really are passionate about. Um, I think it's a great way to, to get your fan base excited to, to have something, you know, as a sort of extra recruiting visit, uh, hype train. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I do agree. You know, I, I think at the same token, you know, uh, it is fun, but sometimes I think people get a little too carried away with it. Uh, you know, I, a, a couple of high major teams I have in mind, but, uh, um, it is uh, just, just because you know ultimately it means nothing. So I mean, it's uh, you kind of you kind of get annoyed when the when these schools and programs are just losing their minds over uh, like a scrimmage. <laughs> but uh, but I don't know. Regardless, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but I I wanted I wanted to bring up one topic uh, real quick that certainly perked my interest. Certainly perked uh, a lot of people's interest this summer. Uh, not related to the A-10, but um, how about Western Kentucky cleaning up on the recruiting trail this summer? Like, what the hell is going on with them? Uh, they get Mitchell <laughs> Robinson, five-star center. You know, this is a guy who uh, – he's an elite recruit. He's ranked number six in the country by 247 Sports, and he's currently committed to Western Kentucky – uh, they got another four-star in the fold as well for the 17 class. Uh, Russell, is this legit, or is this just some publicity thing where we're all going to be duped in a couple months? 
No, this is absolutely legit. Uh, Rick Stansberry is an excellent recruiter, and, you know, he's going to keep bringing in top-tier talent to Western Kentucky, and I, I think it's great to see because that's a program with a very passionate fan base, uh, historically a very successful program that has been a little bit down recently, and basketball in Kentucky in general could really use what would this be a third or a fourth really, really good team? It's I I think it's great to see. Um you know, they they signed another I think it was a four star recruit last week and I saw people talking about it, you know, on, on Twitter and Steve Lapis used to be the head coach of Villanova jumped in and said you know, I know coaches who will just stop recruiting a player when Rick Stansberry gets involved. He would show up at, you know, other coaches in home visits and do all these crazy things. Like, that's just the kind of recruiter he is. It's the kind of thing that you have to expect for him. And, and the fact that he could sell a program that has a lot going for it, to be honest with you, I, I think it's great to see. Uh, Austin, what are your what are your thoughts on this uh, Western Kentucky madness right now? I think it's a trend that has started in the last couple of years and is going to continue. You saw it last year with Ben Simmons going to LSU. Obviously, LSU not what you would consider a mid major, but they're definitely not Kansas or Kentucky. Yeah, pretty much. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyways, I uh, yeah, I think that especially these guys coming out of high school that have a feeling they're going to be in college for one or two years. They're looking at some of the guys in the NBA. You look at Steph Curry, CJ McCollum, uh, Damian Lillard, guys like that. And they realize that you can succeed and get to the NBA. You don't have to go to one of the five schools where you're just going to go in and basically get plugged in for six months, go to a few classes and get out. And so it does give them options. It's a good system. Get to play with some older guys probably better for their maturity, not to be treated like rock stars. I know some of the way that some of these bigger schools treat players. And so I think it's a good trend. I hope that it continues and hopefully we'll see Western Kentucky keep pulling them in as well as a few other schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about totally uh, ruining your train of thought there. I just, I had to get in a cheap shot against LSU. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, you bring up a good point. You know, you really do wonder if this is going to be a growing trend because, uh, you know, typically, it, you know, this isn't rocket science. You know, for, for basically since college basketball and football started awarding scholarships, the players are going to go to the best schools. Um, they want to play for the best coaches. They want to play in the biggest environments and ultimately get their, I don't know what you want to call it, image, uh, likeness uh, as big as possible. Uh, during their college years but you do wonder with this one and done era the players are starting to realize you know maybe it doesn't do me that good to go to a Kentucky where I'm going to be like the fifth best guy even though I'm like a high four-star recruit you know maybe it will do me better if I just go to another school put up insane stats against like pretty weak competition and see what it does in the NBA Uh, I think it's an interesting concept I'm uh I'm intrigued to see how it works out. Obviously, you know, it didn't hurt Ben Simmons. Um, got drafted pretty high uh, last summer. Um, Russell, do you think that could be, this could be the start of a trend, or, or do you think this is just a one-school-specific event? Well, I, I don't think it's the start of a trend. I think it's a trend that has really been 
picking up in the last several years. I mean, just think about Ben Simmons at the low major LSU for a second. Every time they were on, every time they were on ESPN last year, which seemed like every game because of Ben Simmons, that was all the talk. When they lost, everyone was talking about what Simmons did or didn't do. And when they won, he was the greatest player in the world. It, 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 you have more, I think, star power, or you can at least from a national perspective at a smaller school. And maybe that's part of the draw of it. And, you know, Austin brought this up a few minutes ago when we were talking about Midnight Madness. A lot of these mid-major programs either don't have football programs or don't have football programs on the level of a lot of the power five. So ball is the main attraction. And if you are far and away the best player on the basketball team, people are going to notice you, you know, around campus and around the community. Um, Mm -hmm. If I could even just take a second and plug a piece we did on the site about this um, a couple of weeks ago, Ellie wrote about this, interviewed a bunch of uh, former players and coaches, uh, talking about it, talking about the draw of, you know, say the Ivy League where Tommy Amaker is bringing in a bunch of big-name recruits. Um, Talk about the draw of a Florida Gulf Coast, which is suddenly recruiting very well after their exposure a few years ago. This is a thing that is happening, and it's happening at a rate that I think has definitely accelerated uh, over the last maybe five or so years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely noticeable. And I mean, it seems more and more often you'll see a, uh, you know, non-traditional school just racing up the rankings. So uh, definitely something to watch. Uh, it'll be interesting. And who knows, maybe it'll it'll change the face of mid-major basketball as we know it. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I will I will just throw out, you know, generally, um, if you're a Western Kentucky fan, I, I'd say be excited as possible right now and hold on to your seat because I would imagine they're like, you know, I, I, I don't know why you wouldn't think Robinson and Anderson are going to be committed to the school, but, uh, you know, elite basketball recruiting is an absolute war and, uh, and things could get very interesting as we get a little closer here to the next couple of months. Uh, whether any of the the big blue bloods uh, really try to bring up the pressure. Um, But with that, I I do want to jump into our sort of topic for the day, which is uh, previewing the Atlantic 10, uh, getting some of those uh, general topics out of the way. Um, Interesting conference, certainly one of the better ones across the country over the last couple of years. Maybe they regressed a little bit last year, but but still had, uh, what, three tournament teams, VCU and Dayton made some noise. Um, we'll start with you, Russell. Uh, what do you make of this conference? Uh, and wh- what are just kind of your thoughts coming in? You know, I, I was trying to think about this a little earlier today, and my first thought was that with URI this year suddenly having a maybe top 25 caliber team and with UMass bringing in a very good recruiting class, that maybe this could be one of the deeper um, season for the Atlantic 10 because, of course, you know, Dayton is Dayton, VCU is VCU. They're, the normal contenders are there. You're adding those two schools as well. So that, then I thought, you know, I, I want to see 
these schools prove themselves. First, I think this is the most wide open I can remember this league being in a long time. And I think that's, I mean, that's great for the level of competition that we're going to see. I hope that teams don't beat up on each other too much or they could at least pick up a few key out-of-conference wins. I know URI has an early game against Cincinnati. Dayton plays St. Mary's, which, by the way, I think St. Mary's might be the best team in the West Coast Conference, not Gonzaga, but that's for a different day. Um, So teams have opportunities to prove themselves early is what I'm saying. And, you know, it's very hard, I think, for me to pick one or two favorites in this conference at this point. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Austin, what are your kind of general impressions here as uh, the Atlantic Men comes into this season? I definitely agree with Russ. I think it's wide open at the moment. I think that Dayton is certainly the favorite at this point just with what they've got coming back and with what they've added. But similar to what we talked about with Western Kentucky, there are a lot of three- and four-star recruits that are getting pulled in by these schools. I know – VCU and Will Wade's first real recruiting class pulled in uh, Durante Jenkins, who's a four-star small forward. And so that'll be interesting to see how he gets plugged in there. Uh, Even Richmond, who's had a rough couple years, I know that a couple people I talked to in Richmond grads, they're not too happy with Mooney and kind of want to light a fire under him. But they pulled in three three three-star recruits. They got Nick Sherrod, DeMonte Buckingham, and – Grant Golden, and so I think Richmond could be a dark horse team that makes a run, and I think that biggest question mark right now, I would say, is St. Joe's. Just they lost Bembry, they lost Miles, and they lost Brown, which is over 60% of their scoring from last year, and so it will be interesting to see if they can keep that up, but I think it's wide open. There's easily five or six teams that it wouldn't shock me if they made a run to the top this year. And on top of that, Austin, I, I think you could also say that the bottom portion of that league has gotten better, too. I mean, you look at the foul went 9-22 and 22 last year, but they were driven primarily by sophomores and juniors, right? St. Louis now has a new coach, Travis Ford, seems to have them trending in the right direction. I think overall this can be an improved league from last year, and I think maybe more competitive top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. with you guys. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, uh, Austin. No, I was just going to say I agree. I think that it is one of the deepest leagues definitely in the country. And so, yeah, I'd have to agree. I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I think Russell brings up some great points. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see Rhode Island because, I mean, I thought they were going to be a really good team last year. And then, you know, with the injuries, things kind of derailed. But uh, still posted a you know a winning record you know 500 in conference play, uh, but I'm I'm going to be interested to see uh, you know the team and the Rams when they're fully loaded here and, and ready to grow and ready to go because I, I think they could do a lot of damage. Um, but spinning off of that, um, we'll get to kind of predictions uh, a little bit later. Uh, but who who do you think are going to be some of the top players in this league? Um, And who are the guys, at least, you're keeping your eye on? Uh, We'll start with you, Russell. Well, you're just talking about URI. I think you have to start with E.C. Matthews finally getting um, getting a chance this year. So he's 
he's a guy out of Rhode Island. I think you look at VCU, one of my favorite players in all of college basketball is Mo Ali Cox, guy who I can't believe is still in school. Um, but he's going to be a senior. And then you look at Dayton, and they return uh, those same guys, Scucci, uh, Scucci Smith and Charles Cook, who have been so well for them in years past. I think there's a lot of returning firepower at the top of this league to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I, I'm keeping my eye. For me, I think Matthew is, is definitely the guy to watch. Um, hopefully, hopefully he's 100% um, because – It'd be a shame if he if he's not totally ready to go. Um, he's at least a guy I certainly would tap as uh, early player of the year. Um, Austin, what are your thoughts on on the guys to watch this year? One guy I'm really anxious to see this year is down in Richmond, TJ Klein. He's a he's their stretch four, shot 37% from three last year and put up 18 a game. I know ESPN had a preseason ranking of top 25 players all across the country, both mid-majors and power five, and they had him at 23. And so that surprised me. Could be high, could be low, I don't know. But I think that T.J. Klein, especially given the surrounding cast, will be leaned on pretty heavily. And so he's one guy I want to look for. Another guy that I'm interested to see is uh, Tyra Cavanaugh at George Washington. Obviously, George Washington's had a – Interesting offseason, to say the least, with uh, all the bizarre things that have gone on with their coaching staff. But especially with them losing uh, three of their main guys from last year, I think that Kavanaugh has a chance to step up for them and do well. I don't know the team's going to be very good. There's only so much you can do when your team's in that turmoil. But I would say Klein and Kavanaugh are two guys I'm keeping my eye on right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think we should at least take a second to talk about this George Washington madness, um, just just because uh, it, it is kind of a huge story. Uh, Ru- Russell, what what do you make of this? Uh, is there anything to really take away from this, or is it just an unfortunate situation? Um, you know, it 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 is what it is at this point. Um, for those who maybe don't know, George Washington they won the NIT. Last year, things were looking really good. A report came out over the summer uh, that their head coach, or now former head coach Mike Lonergan, had um, there was some inappropriate behavior, some perhaps verbal abuse going on um, in practices and otherwise. And ultimately, he was let go. And this was just a couple of weeks ago that it happened. So it really put. George Washington as a university in a tough situation because now they had to replace their head coach with practice just around the corner. Um, so, you know, you couldn't really do a coaching search or anything like that. They elevated one of their assistants, uh, gave him the interim tag. I imagine uh, maybe next summer they will evaluate whether to keep him or go with a more uh, thorough coaching search. But for now they, they have to go with what they have and, what I found particularly interesting was the firing ended up coming long after the report initially surfaced. And George Washington did an internal investigation after that. And in the meantime, GW, I believe they went and played overseas and things had gone really well for them. And they came back to this news that suddenly their coach was going to be fired 
and it you imagine it's going to shake things up. I'm interested to see how the team responds, how they come out of the gates this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Austin, you talked about it briefly. Uh, any any other thoughts to add on, on this scandal, so to speak? Yeah, I think Russ hit it well. One thing that will be interesting to keep an eye on throughout the year is it looks like Lonergan's going to fire a wrongful termination suit. And so with that hanging over the program's head uh, throughout the year, obviously not something you want to deal with, not how a lot of these guys want to spend their basketball season. But it will be interesting to see how they respond because Lonergan recruited most of this team. And so, I don't know, it's a bad situation, obviously. But hopefully hopefully the lawsuit doesn't get too messy and GW can kind of just move on from this going forward. <laughs> um, fun fact, I, I just graduated from law school last spring, um, which is a blessing. But uh, there are like five coaches being fired, uh, wrongful termination suits in like all the contract books. So it's basically just recapping all the fired coaches um, over the last 20 years. It's awesome. Uh, but uh, I digress. Uh, let's jump back into some some uh, Atlantic 10 talk for this year. Um, Russell, who uh, I, I want you to name two teams here. I want you to name one team that you think is going to be a surprise. And on the other hand, one team that you think might disappoint um, in comparison to the preseason rankings. Um, so what, who would you pick uh, for those categories? Ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Putting the pressure team, on. Yeah, really. Team that might surprise. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Davidson. Um, not a lot of people talking about them, and I don't think they're gonna be picked. You know, to finish in the top portion of that league, but they return a lot of talent from last year. They have one of the best coaches in the country, one of the most underrated coaches in the country, and Bob McKillop. I think they're going to be ready to make some noise this year. Not quite sure where I would peg them in the standings, but definitely a team to watch out for. Uh, somebody who might underperform, at least compared to where they were last year. St. Bonaventure is losing a lot um, from last season. And I'm not sure they were ever, to be honest with you, really as good as people thought last season, so they, mm-hmm. they might be the team that I would say is going to take a step back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting picks. Uh, Austin, you, you have any different picks here uh, for, for the same choices? Yeah, I would say uh, I do like Davidson. I like Jack Gibbs a lot. I think he's a good leading man, but my dark horse that I think could really surprise some people is Richmond. I think that uh, with the guys they're bringing in, plus uh, rising seniors, TJ Klein and Chandra Jones. I think that they're a pretty complete team. I think that one thing that a lot of teams in this conference seem to struggle with is they'll either have a good front court or a good back court, not both. And Richmond does seem to have both. And so, especially with the fire that seems to have been lit under Mooney and a lot of alumni, if he has another lackluster year, going to be calling for his job. I think they surprised some people. And team I think could underachieve. Uh, I do agree with Russ. I think it's St. Bonnie's this year. They 
lost Marcus Hosley and Deion Wright, and they didn't really bring in any recruits to speak of to replace them. And so I thought they underachieved a little bit last year. I just don't see how they, with the talent they have, how they keep pace with where they've been the last couple of years. Austin, Mm -hmm. I I just want to say I I do think you're really going to upset the massive – VCU Twitter following with all of your praise for Richmond today. So I just want you to be prepared to face their wrath because it is coming. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to talk about VCU. I'm, they're going to be unstoppable and destroy everyone. Uh, so there, now we're safe. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't. Um, but uh, all right. Yeah. Well, we kind of got some players to watch here, some teams that, maybe set to underachieve, some teams set uh, to overachieve. Um, let's get to the money part. Uh, who do you got winning the league? Who do you have right behind them? Um, the pressure's on, and remember, everyone's going to hate you on Twitter. Uh, so, Russell, uh, who's your pick to win it? Who's the runner-up? Uh, you know, who else is in that picture? Yeah, so everyone's going to hate me on Twitter, and I'm definitely going to be wrong, but I'm going to go with – URI number one, Dayton number two, VCU number three. All right, all right, strong picks. Uh, Austin, who you got? I got the same teams, different order, though. I think Dayton repeats. I just think that with the, what they got coming back, Smith and Cook are going to carry them. I got Rhode Island finishing number two, and since all of Ram Nation's already going to be upset with me, I got VCU <laughs> at three, so I'm fully prepared. I'm fully prepared for some angry mentions here. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much have the same thing. I got Rhode Island number one. I, I really feel good about that team. Um, I think they're going to make some noise, not only during the season, but in the postseason as well. Uh, likely NCAA tournament, at least in my opinion. Um, behind them, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, have, I have VCU second, and I got Dayton third. Um, so maybe the Flyers fans will uh, be hating on me, uh, which will be fun. But <laughs> well, I, I, I will say, out of those top three, I could really see them finishing in any order. I don't think there's a whole lot of separation uh, between them. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let, well, with that, um, let's get any final any any final thoughts here from you guys, either on the Atlantic Ten, on the topics we've talked about. Um, Russell, any, any final thoughts here before we uh, let you go on the podcast? Uh, final thought on the Atlantic 10 is that I'm very sad that they moved their tournament out of Barclays Center to make room for the ACC uh, this year because that's a tournament that I really enjoyed going to. And I don't know, maybe I have to go to Pittsburgh now to see them. Mm-hmm. How's that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Strong point, strong point. Uh, Austin, how about you? <laughs> Nah, final points. I think most things have been said. It's going to be a good year. Obviously, I think I'm higher on Richmond than a lot of people are. But mm-hmm. uh, much love, VCU. Don't hate me too much. I think they're going to be good this year. I think that Jenkins is going to be good. It just comes down to their backcourt. But, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I agree with what you said. I think that it's wide open. I think that the top three teams wouldn't shock me if they finished in any order. So I'm excited to get it started. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, hey, and who knows? Maybe those Richmond VCU games will be absolute battle. Uh, will be an absolute battle this year. So that would be fun. But, uh, but guys, with that, thanks for joining. Um, Russell, we appreciate you coming on here. And uh, Austin as well. So uh, have a good one, guys. Thanks, Thomas. All right. Thank thanks. you. <laughs> thanks, guys. Um, 
as a reminder to everyone, uh, that was uh, Russell uh, Steinberg, who is our man. You know, he's the I guess managing editor, whatever you want to call. It. He's the head guy in charge at Mid Major Madness. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, check out his stuff on Mid Major Madness as well. A lot of great stuff. Uh, and that was Austin Brown. He does a lot of work for us. A lot of great pieces. Um, very knowledgeable guy about the Atlantic Ten, obviously, and excited. Uh, I am Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at tbendit. Um, and again, really excited. This is our first podcast. I think it went okay. Uh, hopefully, we, you know, we're going to improve and get better week to week. Uh, you know, just as just as all the teams will this year. So it'll be fun. But uh, with that, we'll see you guys next time. And uh, tell your friends to subscribe. Tell everyone. Uh, we are here to stay, and this is going to be your number one mid-major basketball podcast, period. So we'll see you guys next time. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at you, savings coming at you. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.